Hello and welcome to another episode of PPC Town Hall. My name is Fred Valles. I'm your host. I'm also the co-founder and CEO at Optimizer. So we're in late October here. Most of you have probably bought all of your holiday gifts already, but uh, that's what we're here to talk about. We want to find out from someone who actually knows when are people going to go shopping and when is that big Q4 seasonality going to happen this year? Is it going to be earlier? Is it going to be later? Uh, who better to ask than someone that has a lot of data and who better than Google? So today we'll be joined by someone from Google to share what they're seeing. We're also joined by an agency expert, someone you've seen before, to add some color commentary and, uh, and explain what they're seeing. We're, uh, we're also going to talk then about how to take what we're forecasting and make the most of it using some of the newer campaign types. And one of the new campaign types from Google obviously is Performance Max. So we're gonna talk about how to get your Performance Max campaigns ready to capitalize on the Q4 holiday shopping, e-commerce and Black Friday season. So welcome to another episode of PPC Town Hall. Let's get rolling. All right, and here are my two guests for today, Willie Booker and Andrew Locke. Welcome, guys. So, um, Willie, you. you're the first timer on the show from Google. So, tell people a little bit about who you are, what you do. Yeah, so Willie Booker, uh, been here at Google like almost two years, and um, I'm primarily focused on helping businesses see success on Google, especially those who are coming to us from third parties uh, like the store builder ecosystem and um, the bid and optimization firms. Nice. And what did you do before Google? Um, prior to Google, I was working on uh, Facebook marketing partners for commerce. Uh, and prior to that, I was a product manager at PayPal. Nice. So you've seen a little bit of everything uh, on the internet. Very cool. A little bit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Andrew, you've been on the show a couple of times, but uh, thanks for coming on again. Remind everyone who you are and what you do. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm the founder of Savvy Revenue, uh, a U.S. and European-based PPC agency. And really all we do is e-commerce uh, PPC. So what we've really specialized in is, is uh, feed management, shopping, and overall the whole eco landscape, uh, eco, eco, <laughs> e-commerce landscape. <laughs> eco sounds wrong. E-commerce landscape uh, when it comes to, to PPC. So that's, that's what I'll bring with me uh, today. Nice. Yeah, that's uh, super relevant in Q4 when everybody goes shopping online. I always say that that's our that that, that that's our our what do you call it our Super Bowl uh, is, is Q4 and, and Q4 is November to but January uh, January is huge in Europe. Uh, so yeah, well, and the nice thing about the Super Bowl is we always know when that's going to happen. It's a pretty steady <laughs> schedule there. The one thing we don't know, though, is when is Black Friday? Well, actually, we do know when Black Friday is going to happen, but we do, don't know when people are going to actually go shopping. And it's funny because I think right now it's mid-October. Black Friday has already started at Target. They, they literally use that messaging on their website. So I'm kind of curious uh, from you, Willie, and what Google might be seeing. What's the expectation for the seasonality for this year? Yeah, we're hearing from lots of sources that folks are shopping earlier and earlier. 42% of people are shopping earlier in 2022 than they did in 2021. Like, in fact, when we talked to shoppers as early as uh, June, 
we're seeing that 30% of consumers in the UK are already shopping uh, for holiday, which is a little different than how I shop, but that's what we're hearing in the market. Interesting. Andrew, what are you prepping for? So we're, we're, we're pretty much, we're, uh, it looks like we're already behind with Target uh, pushing up Black Friday, but, but we, what we're seeing across the board, we've never seen as many advertisers ever push a uh, black month uh it's it's become a bigger and bigger thing and we just now it's more like all the ones that a couple of years ago said like oh we only do black friday we're just two three years later and they'll go black month and we're all like whoa and that's i think it's, it's a really evident thing from what we've seen the last couple of years like personally i like it uh it, it puts less less pressure on logistics put less pressure on individual days you can spread out bidding and and budget a lot be- better uh, but there, it comes with some challenges if, if you get in behind uh, uh, later than everybody else. Yeah. Well, and so consumers have definitely shifted, it sounds like. Uh, and like Willie say, it's not everyone. It's a, it's a group of people. But besides when they go shopping, what are some of the key things nowadays that people care about? And I think for the past couple of years, it's really been driven by um, the fear of missing out, inventory issues, supply chain issues, and that's why people started shopping earlier. Um, are we seeing other behavioral changes in terms of maybe like the, the types of brands people are shopping for? Yeah, I think that what we've been seeing is that we know that like 71% of consumers are saying they're, they've switched brands in the, in the past year, right? Um, and we're seeing that really manifest in brand agnostic searches. And we see like some of the top reasons that um, consumers are switching brands or looking for better deals. Uh, we also see product quality and customer service kind of like really coming up. Um, another thing that we are, are continuing to see is really strength in the, in the buy online, pick up in store or curbside service as something that's going to continue to go. We saw this really big in 2020 and we're going to continue to see that through 2022. Um, but a lot of these things are like tend to be really, really specific to business needs. And this is one of the reasons that we continue to highlight the insights page, which gives you lots of information um, specific to your business, your needs, your demands uh, and expectations. Yeah. And the brand agnostic, I suppose that's also a little bit driven by some of the inflation. I know, Andrew, um, your European base, I believe, is in Denmark. Um, My co-founders are in Denmark and I've heard some of the prices they now pay for heating their house. And it's just it's crazy. If I was paying that much, I probably would be shopping for cheaper alternatives, uh, maybe not the brands I usually shop for. Do you think that's part of it there, Andrew? So it's it's for Europe, I, I f- we feel it's all the data c- coming out is always a couple months behind. So we, we saw here in September, we saw a lot of like data coming in from the summer months being that everything was horrible. Uh, but what, what we're seeing in the actual data right now is that most of our advertisers are back on track with last year's performance uh, at this point in time. So that could be an indicator that people are spreading out their holiday purchases earlier. So we shouldn't expect as big a push in November and December as we normally do. Uh, it could also be that, that people have kind of figured out, hey, these are our expenses and this is how we can actually just let's not heat up our house as much as we usually do. Uh, it, it does get cold in, the, in Europe, so you can't just put on an extra sweater sometimes, um, yeah. I must admit. Well, and I suppose you buy the extra sweater so you don't have to heat as much. So, hey. One of our, one of our advertisers uh, sell Christmas sweaters, so uh, I, have a, I have a discount code if anybody needs one. Um. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, for real, if you do have one, let's uh, we'll put that <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> so, uh, okay, the, so that's kind of the shift in brand, the buy online, pick up in store. Uh, is that kind of uh, a global phenomena, really? Do you know? But, Andrew, have you seen that as much in Europe? So it, like from uh, Europe, it's 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 less. It's not as big, just because we have less of a, we we have less targets, WalMarts, Walgreens, etc. Where where there are these like natural pickup spots. So so in Europe, it's it's less. Uh, but like I was like Germany is pretty big on 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 picking up. Like you see those Amazon uh, Amazon hubs all over the place. Have funny names, by the way. Um, I don't know who is allowed to name those, but some were. Very bad profanity, I just want to say. Um, uh, but we see we, we don't see it as extensive in in Europe, and I think it, it has to do. With, there's not as many uh, pickup points, uh, and and the way that shipping and logistics work in Europe is, is a little bit different. There's a lot of these like pickup like pickup points where we don't have post offices and stuff like that to the same degree anymore. We have post like we have pickup points, whereas like it's a kiosk that sells cigarettes and sodas and everything and they have a corner of the store is then also a pickup point for uh, for packages so that is being used a ton because it's you can get it really close to your your house and your apartment at all times um so so that in that sense it it has already always been there but it's not as brand associated where it's like hey we can buy it from from target and go pick them up at target it, because it's so locally placed all these little pickup uh, kiosks yeah, infrastructure is very different in Europe for sure. Very less space it seems in the cities than in the United States. Um, Willie, what's your take on uh, Bopis globally? So I think I think they, I agree with what what Andrew is saying. Like this is particularly strong in in North America, and I think this is due to some regional differences. So I think we're seeing like something along the lines of thirty eight percent of folks are continuing to want it to uh, pick up in store or curbside pickup, et cetera. Um, you know, so I would say that it, it is probably more dominant in North America and less, less so in other regions. So I know, uh, Willie, you have a slide. Let's take a look at it here. But what do consumers care about? So you talked a bit about being more brand agnostic, uh, but talk us yes. through some of the other reasons why people might switch brand. Yeah, so looking for better deals like definitely like leads the pack, but we also see product quality and customer service um, rounding out, out like the top three here, um, all of which is kind of like going to like different customers have different needs. And like this all goes back to like really understanding your customer and understanding your market very well. Yeah. So if you're going to conquest a little bit and try to capture some of those consumers, from their existing brand affiliations, um, having a better deal. Yeah, it, it leads the pack, right? That's the that's kind of the starting point. But I think there's also lots of space for differentiation around like product quality. I mean, people are looking for better value overall, um, especially in this environment, and also the customer experience. People want to feel good when they're out shopping. Yeah, and at twenty seven percent bottom of the list there is better value alignment. Um, I know that's something that's also a relatively big deal when it comes to Amazon, but they have ways of saying, okay, this is a small business. This is a black owned business. This is a, uh, you know, a, a nonprofit business, all these things that people might align with the values. Um, are there any things that you know of at Google that sort of help align those consumer values to the brands that support those values? 
I think this is this would be more of a like um, more targeted, right? So I would say that broad trends, I think, like tend to be seasonal. They tend to be episodic, right? And I think like focusing on the top three or four would be a better bet as like a generalized strategy. Um, but understanding your customers and what motivates them would be like the path that I would take in terms of like understanding dynamics. I don't think that there's any generic strategy that work for everyone. Um, but it's about understanding time of year and kind of the mindset of your customers more than anything. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and Andrew, do you have any examples perhaps as far as like how you've convinced a consumer to shift to one of the brands that you advertise for? I think from a, from a retail standpoint or what we call like retail resellers, uh, not people who have their own brands, but like that carry a, a lot of brands, we see uh, we see the availability at have really been a big part so I'm, I'm happy to see that being a being a big factor in that list because that's what we're seeing too is like like just prioritizing products with better availability especially in the holiday season where in the past couple of years there have been challenges with availability so i think that that this year that will just continue and it's it has been a, a pretty big differentiator uh, when, when we're advertising the right products like if, if something we know is going to go out of stock within two weeks and we have a restocking rate that's four weeks from now let's focus on what we have available right now uh, because it is a big factor. Right. So you have to get a little bit smarter as an advertiser about what, how you tie your inventory to the ads that you show. And it's not just about the inventory today, but it's about forecasting. Um, yeah. All, all that time we save by going to performance max, we, we shouldn't just ignore and say, Hey, now we should never touch anything in terms of our feed there's so many things we can start spending our time on now like for instance just being smarter about what products are we sending over what limitations and what additional data should we give performance max to work with uh, and that's really some of the things that that we've seen work incredibly well over the last really over the last year as as we've switched over to much more automation great um another topic here so there's a little bit more social shopping behavior um, that's, you know, when we talk about Google, we traditionally talk about search quite a bit, but there's obviously other channels, right? There's Google Discover, there's Google Video. Um, really talk maybe a little bit about how that fits into that new consumer behavior of being more social than they shop. Yeah, I would say that shopping has always been a human experience. I mean, going back to the, the times when we went into stores and you knew the shopkeeper, uh, they would understand your needs very, very deeply. Like people want to understand like how they might experience a product and they, they want to go to trusted sources, whether it be trusted platforms, friends, like this is very much a, a, a social experience. And we find that like in social environments, like you have the, the, the casual opportunity to learn about a product, view a video, uh, understand what people are, friends are thinking about these products. And that awfully, that usually informs purchase decisions. Right. And uh, it's, part of it is social, I think. And part of it is you go into the shop because you want to experience the product. You want to touch it. And the images that you get in the shopping ads can only do so much. Um, Google has some yeah. new efforts in uh, augmented reality, I believe. So you can, you can take um, three-dimensional images of your products and drop them into your living room. Uh, obviously, if you are on YouTube, you can show videos of people interacting with those products. And that makes it a little bit more real. So I think that's what we're talking about here. And I'd love to hear from you, Andrew. Is that something that you've kind of dabbled in? So we haven't seen anybody actually invest in it uh, yet. I, I think it. I, overall, I'm I'm 
I'm borderline aggressive uh, when it comes to advertisers not doing enough for the for the buying experience. Like like they'll they'll pour a hundred thousand a month or five hundred thousand dollars a million a month in Google ads, but they won't take out five percent of that uh, to spend on on any kind of like CRO conversion rate optimization effort. Whether it's 3D images, better product pictures, better reviews, like just so many things people can uh, advertisers can do that will have a positive effect on what. Google, social, everything else from an advertising standpoint can actually produce. We haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it be a big part outside of uh, selling uh, eyewear. Uh, then there we've seen it become like pretty mainstream. But again, it's because they can tap into uh, they can tap into some software that's already there and it's more or less plug and play in most uh, Shopify stores. Uh, but other than that, we really haven't seen it uh, with the advertiser level that, that we work with is medium to high direct consumer. Uh, e-commerce um which is interesting i don't understand it well that's why we're here on ppc town hall right we're telling people <laughs> these are the things you should invest in and that makes total sense and that's not that dissimilar from the story that we've been saying for a long time is you can optimize only so much when it comes to your bids your keyword selection the ads that you show right you're going to gain a couple percent eventually if you've done this for a long time uh, but if you have a 20% potential lift by just working a little bit on your landing page, having a better product image, um, those are the big gains, right? And those are big gains that support your large investment in online advertising. And I, th and I think Performance Max uh, exacerbates this because it's, it's, it's leveling out the playing field. Like I, I, have, I have no quarrel with saying that that when Smart Sharping first came on board, I wasn't, I wasn't convinced, but over time, you can't argue with the performance that it drove for many advertisers. And it really like where, where we used to say that the strategies we and tactics we used to use and then just running a standard shopping with a manual bit was like down here. The smart shopping took it like up here without having to do anything. And now we're starting to get to that level where fairly advanced agency, agency tactics are getting aligned with what Performance Max smart shopping is, is producing in terms of performance. But that also means that everybody else is gonna it has that has access to the exact same thing. You can't you can't get the same like performance advantage by choosing a great agency any any longer. So like the, the performance max that you can well that's a conundrum, but the, the max limit max potential you have in your uh, in for your ads for your performance max will be a lot more derived on what is happening on your website, in your feed, with your product, with your aspects that that was also listed in Willie's slide before. Uh, so, I think I think it's a, I think it's a big thing, and I think it's going to be a bigger and bigger thing. And something we push as an e-commerce only agency, it's something we push a ton uh, these days uh, because we, we otherwise we can't uh, we can't beat everybody else if we're just doing the same as everybody else. Okay, so you're. Uh really positive there on performance max and performance max for retail. So let's go into that a little bit more, right? Um, really, I believe you have a slide that we can show, which is basically the Q4 holiday uh, readiness slide for Pmax. Let's maybe cover at a high level, what are the things we should be thinking about? And then we'll jump into a little bit more detail. Yeah, like as you like start to plan for the holidays, like we just want to share with you like a few of our best practices, which really breaks down into five general strategies, right? Adjusting bids and budgets. These are the this is the quickest way uh, to start to see some different types of responses from your campaigns. Uh, thinking about season seasonality adjustments, uh, which we're recommending for expert advertisers. Um, keeping on, we have enable. Uh, 
final URL expansion, which is by default on, just making sure that's on. And what that really allows is our optimization for the right landing pages, just based on the individual customer and the behavior that we're seeing on platform. Um, and also uh, holiday segmentation, meaning that getting your feed ready and getting your creative ready to properly highlight things that are gonna be featured for holiday. And then, you know, following through and featuring holiday products uh, and making sure that uh, a holiday plan is in place uh, and you have the right bids and budgets, products, et cetera, um, ready to roll uh, when, when the time comes. One of the things I just really wanna stress is like timing is, is very important here. Uh, so in terms of like holiday setups, we're recommending that you, you start planning four to six weeks away uh, from your peak period um, and making adjustments with at least two weeks of ramp up time for each new campaign that you set up. Yeah, so basically you should have already been doing this, uh, but if you haven't, like today is probably the day you should be getting on that bandwagon. Um, so this is all great advice from Google, uh, but I'd like to take it to the agency and someone who's like actually been doing this. Andrew, you get to pick of these um, five things that really showed on the list. Which one would you start with? Uh, so the holiday campaign segmentation is is key, like because it, it enables everything else. So you you need to you need to make sure that you understand what products are, are being pushed and what products do you want to push for the holidays. Uh, and that's something where, for instance, a seasonal bid adjustment is where we go in and we tell the smart bidding algorithm, hey, we believe that over the next seven to 14 days, we're going to see an uplift in conversion rates. But if we, ha if we have a site where half of what we sell is cables, the, and the other half is like sec boards and other gifting products that we know these are the ones that will actually perform better Then pulling out those holiday products where we know these are the ones that will increase in conversion rates. And it's not the entire site that will increase in conversion rates is something where we've seen an, an incredible ability to increase the bids by simply just using seasonal bid adjustments more specifically for the products that, actually have an uplift rather than going on the entire campaign uh, so so it all starts with being it was starting with 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 the holiday segmentation because you also don't want to create holiday like notes and and, and add assets for for cables and other things that that aren't holiday related then you're just going to put in bigger selection of, of gifts from mom when it's a USB-C cable doesn't make any sense. And that's where we can go wrong with things like Performance Max. If we're not, if we're not using the tools that's actually been provided by Google, like being able to split them up, being able to split up asset groups and other things, uh, that's something that, that we've seen great, seen great success with in the past and can only see that that's going to be a big thing this year as well. Right. And so the funny thing here is we're talking about holiday assets and creatives, but really what it comes down to is you need to have some structure, some segmentation that enables you to take advantage of this. And so this is also not very particular to Q4. This is any time of the year when you have a seasonal product, whether it be Mother's Day, Father's Day, uh, back to school season, you need that structure. And, and so this is actually one big thing. Um, you know, Google sometimes says, hey, go ahead and simplify your structure. We'll handle it from here. And that advice is fine if you're not the person who is watching this PPC town hall, right? But if you're here because you want to get the absolute best results, then absolutely that campaign structure is so critical. And that structure step one and then step two, I think you were talking even a little bit more about bids. Once yeah. you have the structure, now you can bid and you can budget in the right places. And then actually putting in the creative components might be uh, a tertiary 
sort of thing. Yeah, and I think like I, I, I want to reiterate the, the point about simplicity. Simplicity, I, I do think it's key. Like, like I had a call with a client's investor the other day, and and he started talking like big pharmaceutical company uh, that sell like uh, over the counter drugs online and stuff like that. And he was like, "Hey, we need to create this hugely complicated uh, strategy uh, or, or structure." And I was like, "Who's going to manage that? Like, who, who's going to manage that? Who's going to run that? Like, yeah, no one, no." <laughs> <laughs> like not, not gonna pay us enough to, to to run that and and we'll we'll make mistakes along the way so i think that it's 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 about starting off simple and then figuring out okay we have two big groups we have outerwear and we have swimwear let's split them up don't we don't have to go into shorts and 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 bikinis and stuff like that nah. outerwear and swimwear that's a great start to start splitting it up and just having some ability to also just use that data to start saying hey now swimwear season has to start picking up let's start pushing it let's start with a lower ROAS for these products so you can start picking up getting more traffic in like so we we use the again we use the tools and the levers that are able that are, that are available to us it doesn't have to all be in one big box hey a quick word from our sponsor hey it's me it's Fred I'm an optimizer um, so yes, this is a shameless plug, but when you're saying that uh, when you go into these advanced structures, it's it's tricky because you're going to make mistakes. You Who's going to maintain it? That is actually one of the things where Optimizer can come in and sort of take what is the structure that you want to maintain. And that's, that's worked for shopping campaigns. We also do that now for performance max campaigns. So you can get as detailed, as complicated as you want. We'll handle those details. Uh, but of course, there, there is a happy medium, right? You don't want to go too excessive. But really, I want to uh, get your perspective on this. Google also has um, a vision here of what campaign segmentation should look like. So uh, take us through that for a minute. Yeah, I think the goal here is to, to get to like your ultimate goals, right? So it's like in holiday, there's specific merchandise, there's certain margins. Um, some, maybe there's some, uh, there some inventory things that you're looking to, to clear up. Um, so like being really clear about what you're willing to pay and, and what the returns on uh, ad spend would be here is something that we always continue to stress is focusing on outcomes and also experimenting to look for results, right? So this is where, number one, your business strategy comes into place and then also looking at insights to continue to optimize as you kind of like test and learn for the outcomes that are most important to your business. Yeah, and there's a couple of interesting points. So some people are listening to the podcaster and are not seeing the slide. But one interesting point on this sure. slide is um, in the beginning of the holiday season, you may have an expectation that there's a lot of browsing activity and not purchasing activity. So be a little bit less aggressive with your return on ad spend targets so that you can build up that volume early on. Um, Andrew, I see you nodding your head. You agree on that one? I've, I've never agreed with a Google slide more in my entire life. Um, <laughs> And it's, 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 <laughs> no, but but it's it's just like like it's it's so key like 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 again we we, we go back to this whole thing where let, let's just let let's not just push everything into a a, a single ROAS strategy and and think that we will magically hit this ROAS target like like just the just the business insights the marketing insights the consumer insights obviously you're gonna have a lower ROAS running into a peak season uh, or holiday season than during the holiday season you should set your targets to accommodate for that. Like we all sometimes get, get stuck in this mode where we, we, where we look at what is the ROAS for November. 
well, what about the first two weeks of December? What about like there's so many things that come into place where we have to look at a little bit longer time frame and see how can we actually feed the system better uh, because the ramp up period really also helps with yeah. allowing the smart bidding the algorithm to bid on products that haven't been bid that high so far maybe because it couldn't hit your rowest targets and thereby when it starts gaining some more data uh, up to the holiday season then it will start saying hey it'll start picking up conversions and then it will say hey this can actually convert now but it couldn't do it two months from uh, two months ago and thereby it will expand your uh, your exposure and get you more revenue um that's something that's a strategy that's a tactic we didn't see five years ago, three years ago, it wasn't something that was we needed to do because we, we had so much manual bidding running. But but today, it's some, some of those things that, hey, let's, let's tell smart bidding to do this. So I, I think you've led us a little bit into maybe attributions, right? So you can't expect that the click today is going to lead to the purchase today, and that's the only thing that happens. We've obviously seen the consumer journey can get quite extensive. Um, what do you recommend in terms of attribution models? <laughs> so the, I have, I have, I have, I have, a, a, <laughs> I have a long, uh, one of the first, uh, the, the first thing we wanted to solve when we started Savvy was we want to solve campaign and like campaign creation and campaign updates. Again, we, we run large e-commerce sites. We, we don't want to keep updating campaigns when, when new inventory comes in. That's where we, we actually use Optimizer for, for that for a long uh, for a lot of advertisers. It works really, really well. The second thing we wanted to, uh, to, uh, to fix was attribution. We wanted to go to advertisers and say, hey, this is how much you spend on Google. This is how much you spend on Facebook, uh, email generation, SEO, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, through five years of this, uh, many thousands of dollars of trials uh, and uh, advertiser tests, et cetera, I have given up. Um, there is not a, a, a good way to actually do this. The best way that we've found is feeding each advertising channel uh, with or each platform with as much data as possible. So for a Google perspective, it's the conversion tracking code, enhanced conversion service are tracking as much data as we humanly possibly can send, uh, send the machine. And then in the back end, we'll use like a blended ROAS uh, metric where we can look at the overall uh, what is our overall marketing spend with our overall revenue, and that should be the that should be the north star KPI that we look at when it comes to is this working out or not? Because the consumer uh, consumer journey has gotten so messy, and it's probably always been that so. We've just gotten to understand it much better now, uh, but it, it's directly it's directly opposed with we don't get as much data as we used to for the engines. And the engines need more data because we run on algorithms more. So we, we can't run, we can't play this game of trying to say, okay, what data should we send to the different platforms? We need to send as much data to every single platform as we can because they all run on algorithms. We've all seen what happened to Facebook when 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 the uh, when they stopped getting as much data as they used to have. Um, so Google needs to get as much data yeah, as possible too. Um, and now you've led us into another big topic, which is like the deprecation of third-party cookies, people clearing their cookies, privacy. Um, so really, Google is certainly a big player in solving some of those issues. One of the things they've come out with in the past, uh, I think, year or so here is really enhanced conversions. So can, can you take us through a little bit of what that means? Because this is really one of the ways to address um, what Andrew is describing as the problem of a lack of data leads to worse bidding. This is trying to bring data back. So how does that work? Yeah, exactly. So 
enhanced conversions is all about improving accuracy, right? We want to like make sure that the conversion is like affirmatively tied to someone who's been targeted and we have some accurate data with respect to that, which, you know, over time improves the model and helps you to become more accurate and get you the outcomes that you're seeking. An early test, we saw a 5% median increase in reported conversion rates uh, for those on YouTube. Uh, those on YouTube saw an average increase of 17.1%. So the early results in enhanced conversions are very promising, and this is something that we're recommending uh, to advertisers for whom this works. Yeah, it sounds like everybody should be using enhanced conversions then uh, get more data, right? So how do you get that installed, Andrew? I'm sure you've done that before, so uh, where do people go? So yeah, it's it's our biggest recommendation. I also use it on on our blog, and everybody we talk to is is get more data. Uh, so it's really really simple. So enhanced conversions. If you're already using the Google Ads tracking, which I recommend everybody should be using, uh, then it's just going in and finding that conversion action in your in your conversions overview. Um, in there, you can click enable and enhance conversions, and it'll give you a little snippet you, you need to add to your conversion tracking code in uh, usually in, uh, in Google Tag Manager or if you're using Shopify. It'll just really, really simple uh, to add, and, it's, uh, and then it's done. It's, it's, really, it's really been, been a simple process uh, we've seen. Cool. Here's another one that's simple if you want to set it up, but I want to get your uh, take on it. Seasonality bid adjustments. Is that something you should be using in this scenario or is Google just going to be good enough to know when that seasonality is going to happen? So from our point of view, it's uh, seasonal bid adjustments has been our best friend uh, outside of uh, data exclusion to actually make sure we can use smart bidding uh, for every single advertiser. Uh, a couple of years ago, we, we shifted from manual bidding default to smart bidding default. And we've, we've never looked back. And Seasonal, seasonality bid adjustments where you tell Google or tell smart bidding, hey, in, for this period of time, bid X percent higher or for this period of time, bid X percent lower. It's it's key during a holiday season because there can be a couple of days with really high conversion rates. And then, you know, you're going to let's say, you know, you're running out of stock or your Black Friday sale is is out. You, you want to tell the, the algorithm to just relax. Like just, just calm down in the days after that. And then you can quickly figure out whether or not you've set the right bid adjustment and adjust it. it it's really like, it's one of the fastest changes you can make and you can see it, the, the impact almost immediately in your, your CPCs. So it, it does kind of two things, right? It changes the bid target, but it also prevents the system from learning on that period because it knows it's an unusual period that shouldn't be carried forward after, after it ends. Yeah, so the, the official uh, the, the official guidelines from Google is that you don't have to set a negative bid adjustment after you've set a positive bid adjustment, and that's partially uh, true. We we've seen for really big sales or or sales out of the ordinary, we we've seen that there can still be be an uh, be an impact uh, a positive impact by setting these negative bid adjustments after a big sale. But it's really like sometimes it's useful, sometimes it's not. So. We always wait until seeing the day after a big sale stops uh, and say, okay, do the CPC level fall back down to pre-promotion period or does it continue uh, at the same level as the promotion period? And if it does, we'll, we'll apply the negative afterwards. Uh, um, it's 50-50 and based on what we've seen. It's a really good tip. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, really, back to you, the, the last thing I want to talk about here, which is kind of unique to Performance Max, is its built-in audience capabilities. So what should advertisers think about taking advantage of when it comes to audiences this season? 
Yeah. So I, one of the keys here is um, this is like the first time that we're allowing like a, a suggestion, right? So a, a big part of Performance Max is built on automation and with audience um, insights, able to upload a, a custom audience um, that would let us know like who, who it is you're trying to reach, um, which could help to uh, help to inform like who to initially target. It's kind of a suggestion of sorts. Um, and on the back end of that, um, we give audience insights of who we think you should be reaching, uh, right? So this is a way to continue to optimize a campaign with some, with some manual inputs that also aid automation and give you some feedback in terms of like how you could be improving with audiences over time. Right. And negative audiences as well. So if you have a list of your existing customers and you want to exclude those from your campaigns, um, obviously in e-commerce, you're Existing customers may be good repeat customers, so you may not want to exclude them. But if you sell a subscription, you know, a holiday box of uh, or a, a gift box of holiday cookies, people might only buy that once, so then exclude those existing customers. Um, Andrew, any thoughts on audiences? So the, the biggest thing we've seen is is just like so I really like the the new customer acquisition goals you can set and and started in smart shopping and, and carried over to performance max. I think for, for many advertisers, especially the very large ones, uh, this is super underutilized and it's it's something that they're not tracking enough of. Because again, the, the danger when you become big enough is that you have such a big existing customer pool that you will, the, the algorithm will skew towards those the higher you set your ROAS target. Um, and that's really where setting a new customer acquisition goal where you ensure that new customers is in the algorithm's eyes uh, viewed as as more valuable than existing customers, so so you ensure you push a little bit back on that. Uh, that's something that that we've seen has been like has been really really great because sometimes we get KPIs uh, and and in-house teams work with KPIs that they they have a new customer acquisition ratio that they're trying to target, and if they don't have any levers to pull when it comes to one of the biggest marketing channels, which is Google Shopping, then uh, yeah. They, they will come and ask, what should we do? We'll put the new, new customer acquisition target and then it will start, start skewing towards it. The only thing I want to say there is really, really make sure that, that the audiences you have uploaded are constantly updated. Uh, Clavio has done some great, uh, great integrations lately, uh, but there are integrations across the board where you can make sure you get these customer, uh, customer lists updated and other audiences. We see way too often than something was uploaded like once a year and then it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. uh, so make sure you update it if you use these uh, these tools. Nice. And so for all the promise of Performance Max being like so automated and doing all the work for us, I think we spent uh, a good 40, 45 minutes here talking about some things you can do to make it work better. Some levers that Andrew and his team pull, um, some of the things that really talked about how you can still control Performance Max. So encourage all of you to, uh, you know, take some of these things, test them out, experiment with them and you know, use it to get the most out of this uh, Q4 holiday season. So thank you both for being on the show. If you've enjoyed watching, please subscribe to the channel. We, uh, we have these episodes roughly every two weeks. Um, Willie, parting thoughts, anything else uh, people should know or uh, where can they go and learn more about Google's advice? As always, um, lots of resources on the uh, Google Ads uh, Help Center uh, for lots of you, but also like you should be talking with your Google rep about how to prepare for holiday and, and see yourself uh, through the rest of your business cycle um, as like a ready resource for you. Great. Thank you for being on, Willie.
Andrew, final thoughts from you? I think the, the final thought I just want to want to share is like if if you're not using Performance Max this uh, this holiday season, uh, there's one of the new things that have just come out from Google is, is discovery campaigns uh, with uh, Google Merchant Center feed, uh, so that you can actually like push a lot of some of the inventory that you have access to in Performance Max, like Gmail and Discovery, which isn't really, that hasn't been that accessible for retail advertisers so far. That looks like a really interesting campaign type for, for retail that, that we've been pushing a lot. And so I think that's, that's something where most people should invest in. And mo- even if you're using Performance Max today, it's, it's a campaign format I really do think there's a lot of potential in if used uh, correctly. Great. Uh, and of course, find Andrew and his team at Savvy Revenue. Uh, Andrew sends out like an email with like his latest thoughts, I think roughly once a month. I always enjoy it. Um, it's well written, easy, easy to understand, good advice. So uh, sign up for that and stay Thank in touch you. with Andrew. Appreciate it. Well, good. Um, Thank you so much. You can also do a two-week free trial of Optimizer. Um, that is a great tool. We do a lot of shopping optimizations for you, uh, shopping optimization automation, make this uh, season a little bit easier. And then like Andrew was also saying, all of that time that you gain back, you can use it to test out some new strategies and uh, get ahead of your competitors. Willie, Andrew, thanks for having been great guests. And we'll see everyone on the next episode.